and welcome to the Extraordinary Moms Podcast. I'm Jessica Dahlquist, your host, and every week I interview a different mom who shares their motherhood journey and the lessons that they've learned along the way. If I've learned anything from interviewing such a wide range of moms, it's that no two moms parent in the same way. We should celebrate that and learn from one another. Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast today, and if you like what you hear, please share the show with a friend. Hello, everybody. Happy summer for a lot of you. My kids are getting out of school this week. I know many of you have wrapped up the school year, and I just want to say bravo. (laughs) Whatever your school year has looked like this year, we have all put in a massive effort to make the most of it, to readjust our expectations, and to model healthy, proper adaptations to our kids, right? And I want to say that we should be really proud of ourselves. Whatever that has looked like, the highs, the lows, it's all been part of our learning process and it's all good, right? And now we're done. Now we can enjoy our summer that hopefully looks a little more fun than last summer. Okay, you guys, today I have an incredible interview. Originally, I heard about Dr. Shafali from Oprah. I mean, Oprah and I aren't like friends. She didn't call me up and say, Jessica, I want you to talk to Dr. Shafali. Dr. Shafali was on her Super Soul series, and I was amazed at what she had to say. She has published previous books on conscious parenting, and the idea is simply to be more mindful, to be more present as a parent, and just be more self-aware as a parent. It is not a parenting rule book. It is simply getting back to the present moment and serving your kids and being mindful yourself as to what you're doing and why you're doing it. And that has served me so, so well as a mom. And she recently put out a new book called A Radical Awakening, Turn Pain into Power, Embrace Your Truth, and Live Free. And you might have seen this. She was recently on Oprah again talking about this. And it is such an interesting book because she talks about her own personal journey of having this radical awakening. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to go ahead and just play the interview with her that has a few questions, jumping off points. It's a very dense book and we only are able to just scratch the surface of a few of the topics that she covers and I'm going to share some more of my insights and my takeaways after the interview with Dr. Shafali because we had limited time but I'm just so honored that she took the time to come on Extraordinary Moms podcast. She is a mom. Her daughter's 18 and definitely motherhood has shaped her perspective and now that she is having her daughter now leave the nest she has a different perspective and she's had a different life experience recently that she shares in this book. So I'm going to go ahead and let you listen to my interview with Dr. Shafali and then I'll come on after to share a few more takeaways that I had from her book, The Radical Awakening. All right. I'm so honored to be talking with Dr. Shafali today. Hi, Dr. Shafali. Hi, how are you? Thank you for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. I have been a longtime fan. I'm a mom of four, Dr. Shafali, and your conscious parenting work has really given me a lot of food for thought and really shaped my parenting. So thank you so much. 
Oh, you're very welcome. That's what I'm here for. Yay, yay. Well, you have a new book that is coming out, A Radical Awakening, and it's been getting a lot of buzz. And when I was reading it, I was so kind of surprised about the personal journey that you have been on given your background of self-awareness and just just so much in-depth work on yourself. Seeing that you hit a rock bottom was surprising to me. Was it surprising to you? No, so that's the misconception people have that there's some sort of destination you arrive at. You probably thought I could never hit rock bottom right? because I'm like super conscious. And consciousness is an ever-evolving lotus and we keep unpeeling and unfolding and go deeper and deeper and deeper. And I still had vestiges of, you know, inauthenticity that I was clinging on to out of desperation as a mother, as a wife. And I needed to let that go. And everything comes at its own time. So although I was on a tremendous journey of seeking, uh, I had not completed my entire rebirthing experience. And um, you'll see when your kids grow up, you're going to go through another huge awakening. Because till our kids grow up, we're kind of tethered to them. And we are very enmeshed in our identity with them. So once your kids hit teenagehood and discard you and don't need you anymore, (laughs) that's when I hit my rock bottom, because I had to really ask, who am I without my role as mother? And that's where a whole new discovery began to emerge. Right. How old is your daughter now? 18. 18. Okay. And so when did you start to feel this shift of needing to be awakened within yourself and in your personhood? Well, I've always been shifting and doing the work, but I think the final plummet occurs when your last child kind of flies the the coop and mm-hmm. you begin to realize that you are kind of having to re-identify reconfigure and rediscover a new sense of you so you know it's a wonderful portal of transformation a rock bottom is not a scary phenomenon it appears scary to people because they don't want to let go of the past but i wasn't afraid of my rock bottom moment i knew it was inevitable i knew that it was necessary and it would evoke tremendous transformation within me and through my writing for other women as well Right. And you talk about how in your work, you've seen other people and your patients and clients hit that rock bottom. And you kind of are always waiting for that in order for the real transformation to begin. And so that must have taken some of the fear out of hitting that for yourself, would you say? Absolutely, because Mm -hmm. I know how important it is. So I'm not resistant to pain. I use pain in my journey with my clients to help them transform. The only reason we are at rock bottom is because our past patterns are finally coming to a head and they don't work anymore. Right. Yeah, you talk a lot about patterns and and you said, who will be the pattern disruptor? And you said for you and your family, you have kind of filled that role. And I'm wondering if, if we can identify somebody else in our family who has been that disruptor, does it mean that our awakening will be less radical? Maybe we are more, I don't know, maybe we fall a little less deep into the, the depths of that rock bottom? I don't know. What do you think about that? Yeah, it's not about comparing who else, but yes, okay. if there are other, other women in your you know path or in your in your near circles who've done the hard work of shocking the system, then yeah, it's going to be easier for you, right? We always stand on the shoulders of those who came before us. But 
the radical part is really about your own inner awakening and mm -hmm. really um, moving and stirring yourself to reclaim your inner worth, which you really deserve. Mm, I love that word deserve because so many times we're afraid or we push back on that discomfort to unearth the past, unearth the patterns, disrupt the patterns, all of those things. And in the intro of your book, you said that this is not a comfortable read. And Dr. Safali, most of us don't want to enter that uncomfortable place, but why do we need that? And why do we need to not incubate our kids from experiencing discomfort as well? Yeah, because we've been conditioned to only want happy, happy experiences, which is such a sickness, because then when we're not happy and we touch unhappiness, we go medicated thinking that that's abnormal. But unhappiness uh, is just a state of mind. And really all that we have is an experience. So if we can take out the judgment of happy or unhappy from our human experiences, then we can let go of expectations and we can grow from whatever is showing up. So it's very important to remove that pressure from our children's lives as well, that they're supposed to be happy, happy all the time, because it's not true. Yeah, It's a setup. It is. It is. It's a construct. And so what word would you replace happiness if happiness has always been the goal? What's the new goal? Like, what are we seeking and after? The new goal is presence. Mm. Presence means deep connection and experience to the present moment. It is not nothing to do with trophies, accolades, certificates, and validations. It's how connected we are to the present moment. If the present moment brings tears to our eyes out of joy, then that's what we experience. If the present moment brings tears of uh, tears to our eyes out of grief, that's what we experience. And that's what we teach our children. It is what it is. And don't expect it to be different and enjoy the experience and lean into the experience and it'll take you to the next experience. Nothing is catastrophic. Nothing is the end of the world. And, uh, you know, if we, we, instead of chasing happiness, which is such a setup, we enter the present moment and allow it to be whatever it needs to be. Mm. So you mentioned the, the timeline, kind of the rough timeline of, you know, once your final child is emerging from your home and you have this kind of identity crisis, which is so common. I'm wondering if we read your book and if we're doing the work before that in our present motherhood, I have, I have a two month old all the way up to an 11 year old right now. And so I'm in the thick of it right now, Dr. Shafali. And so I'm wondering if I am reading this book and doing the work right now, what will that mean for me? What could that look like? Or what could, will I hit a rock bottom when my last child leaves? Or what will this preparatory work set me up to feel or, or do or be different? Well, it's just going to free you to not be so afraid of uh, the disapproval that you think you're going to get from others. It's going to really allow you to enter your own worth in such a deep way that you will no longer be subjugated to the seesaw of other people's likes or dislikes. Mm. Well, yeah, because it's hard enough just to get your own self-approval and feel self-worth for yourself. But then yes. you bring in the opinions of others and that's a whole other issue to combat, isn't it? Yes, exactly. So interesting. this is a process. It's a journey. It's an awakening. And we start moving forward in a powerful way. Hmm. I love that. 
So how has motherhood, I mean, this is the Extraordinary Moms podcast, so we really focus around parenthood and motherhood. How has motherhood changed you as a person given that you have so much deep clinical work and experience viewing other people's lives and other people's journeys? How has motherhood shaped you as a person, Dr. Shafali? Oh, my goodness. I mean, irrevocably and uh, interminably, as it does every woman. So, um, you know, at every level, the spiritual, it's taught me that uh, my wounds that show up when I'm triggered have to do with my personal emotional experiences from the past. Mm -hmm. And I need to heal them. It's been the greatest portal for entering the present moment, for healing my past and uh, really seeing myself in the mirror in a very brutal way um, and trusting that the, this other human being has their own journey, their own destiny, and will move forward in their own way. Yeah. Oh, the word brutal. It is brutal. It can be absolutely brutal and so refining as well. And I wonder if the way that you counsel others and help others to move through their journey did it change at all once you were walking your own motherhood path? Did anything shift inside of you once you were doing it for yourself versus just counseling others? Yeah, I mean, it yeah. makes it more real, right? Mm -hmm. Like you begin to see that you are equally plagued by the things other people are. You lose your sense of superiority and judgment. Mm -hmm. you, you stop having some sense of righteousness about yourself. So all of this occurs very effortlessly once you become a parent and you realize that this is a really difficult thing and nobody has it down perfect. Right. In the book too, and, and I got to say, this kind of pinged a little trigger in me. You talk about the, the evolving responsibility of being a parent and eventually mm -hmm. our goal should be to release that that tight cord that, that is tethered to our child and let them be a human and let them make their decisions and everything and your job is kind of done at a certain point and I'm like god no but you know being still very much you know struggling with boundaries even with my own parents and everything mm -hmm. and it's hard to turn that switch so what's a piece of advice that you would give parents at any stage really to prepare for that evolution of the relationship Oh, my goodness. I mean, on one level, nothing can prepare you. Another level, our children will prepare us. And by teenagehood, they will discard us. Mm -hmm. uh, so it really, you know, it, it, it's again, it's, it's how well are we listening? How closely are we paying attention? And that's really the key to our, uh, you know, untethering from our identity. We don't stop loving them. We just don't make it our identity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. If you could impart one piece of wisdom to your daughter, your 18-year-old daughter who is now spreading her own wings, what is like the one thing that you want her to know? That, you know, her worth is within herself and it'll never be found on the outside. So never, ever give that power away because you're just going to diminish yourself with no return. So the inner worth is um, where all her power lies. Mm, I love that. Was this a hard book to write for you or was it cathartic or how, how far after the, the rock bottom did this book come to fruition? 
very quickly after, uh, you know, writing is my my way of expressing. It was very um, cathartic, but difficult in terms of, you know, people don't want to be woken up. So I had to massage in the inspiration in a very artful way because our tendency is to, you know, walk away from inner revolution. And this book speaks to that inner revolution. So, uh, but it, it was very necessary for me to write, I felt, and I hope women answer the urgent call to their own awakening. Mm. Well, thank you for doing that work and having this documentation for us to show what is possible. And I mean, your background is so rich and providing your own personal context really adds an, another level to, to the book. And I just found it so fascinating, even the areas where I felt triggered or, you know, put some new questions in my mind. That's a good thing. That's a good thing to have some pushback into the thoughts that that we may have previously, you know, held tight to. So thank Definitely. you. Thank, thank you, so you for much. having me. Thank Absolutely. you so much. I always ask my guests just one final question and it's this. What would you tell your pre-motherhood self? That your children are here to live their own destiny and uh, don't sweat the small stuff. <laughs> Very good. Thank you, Dr. Shafali. Thank you so much. Have Bye. Hey everyone, I know that you enjoyed that conversation with Dr. Shafali, but I wanted to jump in and thank a show sponsor, and that is Felix Gray. Felix Gray are the blue light glasses that started it all. Five years ago, Felix Gray realized that our eyes weren't meant to look at screens all day, and they designed glasses to make daily screen time more comfortable and the workday more productive. I had previously purchased some blue light glasses that were just kind of cheap and they were just that cheap. I didn't notice a huge difference. So I wondered if this really worked, but Felix Gray lenses filter 15 times more blue light that can make screen time tough on the eyes and disruptive to sleep. The thing I also love about Felix Gray is they come in non-prescription and prescription glasses. And so I got my prescription put into a pair of Felix Grey glasses. And not only can I see the screen well, but also I know my eyes are being protected better than ever. So you can check them at felixgray.com slash EEP. Felix Grey has classic frame styles made from acetate and hand finished for a durable, lightweight, and comfortable pair of glasses. And I can personally attest to the quality. If you have suffered from sore, tired, burning eyes, headaches, migraines, and even difficulty sleeping, your screen time may be the culprit. And the thing is, until you give these glasses a try, you may not even be realizing how much the blue light is plaguing your everyday life. So get yourself a pair of glasses made for the 21st century and designed for modern, hardworking eyes. You have nothing to lose except maybe eye strain, Go to felixgrayglasses.com slash EEP for the best blue light glasses on the market. That's F-E-L-I-X-G-R-A-Y glasses.com slash EEP. Free shipping, free returns, free exchanges, felixgrayglasses.com slash EEP. Alrighty. Wasn't that so wonderful? I just felt so lucky to be able to have the opportunity to talk to Dr. Shafali given how She's such a leading expert in this field. And I will say, if you pick up A Radical Awakening, you may not agree with everything she writes about in this book. Like I told her on the call, I really struggled with some of the topics like 
the changing role of being a parent. And while I know the goal of parenting is to let our kids evolve into adults and break out on their own and not need us as much, I don't know. Do we really want to be dumped by our kids or is there a more middle ground? I don't know. But at the very least, all of these things that she brings up in her book are definitely thought-provoking and get you to question the things maybe that you've held a little, little too tightly to. You know what I mean? She's such a beautiful writer and I just want to share a few of the takeaways that I had sharing a few quotes from the book. The first one is about fear and I don't know how much fear plays a role in your life but I think fear is really at the root of so many things and we don't even attribute it to fear. We might think that we're just nervous. We might think that we don't want to do something but at the root of so many of the things that we give pushback to in our life Fear is often at the root. And she says, When we enter fear and its offspring, silence, we move away from self-love. Constant suppression of our authentic voice creates a gnawing and growing inner disconnect. Okay, so I don't know about you, but when I am approaching conflict or confrontation, I shy away. And like she says, I get silence. So For many people, and maybe for you, like it is for me, when I enter into the face of fear, its offspring is silence. So whether it's being silent into submission, whether it's being silent because you're afraid of saying the wrong thing, whether it's being silent because you feel like you don't have a voice, whether it's silent because you don't know what to say, oftentimes we just go mute. And she talks about how we as women are often very much pre-programmed to go into silence, into that submission role versus being brave and keeping our voice existent (laughs) because our voice should be existent and our voice should be heard when we have something to say. So that really got me thinking about not shutting down when I feel confronted or challenged, but to instead think very carefully about what I think and what I want to say and say it and say it. And it's okay if people disagree with you. It's okay if your thoughts don't always come out just right, but it's better to speak up than to be silent. And you can do it in a respectful way. You can do it in a loving way. But if you feel like fear is keeping you quiet, it's something that you should really take a deep, hard look at. And one of the things that she talks repeatedly about in this book is doing kind of an audit of our life and of our thinking and of our behaviors and patterns because of those ways of thinking. And here she is, an accomplished researcher, psychologist, and she hit a rock bottom. And so if, she, if that can happen to her, I don't think any of us are going to be immune from hitting our own inner rock bottom. But like she said, she was awaiting it. She knew it was coming and she knew that it would be the catalyst for growth. In her book, she says, until this painstaking and detailed audit of our inner workings is conducted, we will not spot our patterns and won't be able to break free from them. And I was thinking, can we ever be introspective too much. Do you know what I mean by that? Do you ever feel like you are being so, 
you're doing so much work to be self-analyzing and self-aware that sometimes it becomes an even bigger burden at the time. And so one thing we just didn't even have time to cover was how to do that in a way that it doesn't feel overwhelming. Sometimes you need to chip away at different aspects of your life or just focus on a certain thought pattern or a certain behavioral pattern at a time so that you can address that one thing without being, I don't know, feeling so depleted. I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on that. How do you go about that when you are recognizing an area in your life that you want to work on? Do you do just that? Do you really work on a narrow area? Or are you taking this comprehensive audit of your whole being and then working step by step towards that reconciliation and that awakening? I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on that, but that's just um, a topic that that stood out to me in her book that, that might be interesting to you as well. Another topic that she covers in A Radical Awakening is the idea of unworthiness. And she says what a plague the idea of unworthiness has in the lives of women around the world, virtually in every culture. And we tie so much of our existence to the question of being worthy and when we make a mistake or when we do something you know counter to what the world thinks we should be or do are we unworthy and she says the deadly part of this is that our unworthiness is heavily disguised so much so that we often mistake it for virtuosity let me read that again the deadly part of this meaning feeling unworthy is that our unworthiness is heavily disguised, so much so that we often mistake it for virtuosity. How many times in the name of being a martyr mother, being self-sacrificing, being unselfish, do you then deplete your own self? That is what she is talking about. When we're not just serving and loving our family because we want to, but because we think that that is our only role and at the, even at the cost of our own being and our own feeling of worthiness. And when we are feeling unworthy, we do give, 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 deplete, deplete, deplete. And we could be running on fumes for years sometimes and not even realize it because we think that it is something else entirely, that we think it's being a virtuous mother. And that's simply not true. You can still love and give and sacrifice while also maintaining a sense of identity, worthiness, integrity, and self-fulfillment. Do you believe that? I think most of us would say that we believe that, but are we living that? She also writes, for women, it's always connected to how self-sacrificing we are and how well we keep others happy. If we're unable to keep them happy, we feel like failures and therefore are unworthy. I also think about how well our kids behave and tying that to how well we parent, right? How responsible do you feel for your kids' behavior and your kids' grades and your kids' accomplishments? Do you tie yourself to those things sometimes? Yeah, we can't control that. And so when we tie our worthiness or our identity to those things, we're going to come up depleted. We're going to come up failing. All we can do is do our personal best. All we can do 
is improve our own self-awareness. All we can do is monitor our own choices and our own thinking so that it'll impact those around us, but it cannot control or manipulate their behavior. She goes into talking about allowing our kids to have feelings and to express them. And she writes, when children are squelched in this way, meaning they're not allowed to have feelings, their suppressed feelings are buried for the moment, but these feelings don't disappear. They simply show up in their body image, self-image, grades, eating, behavior, or other aspects of self-care. When we are asked to lie to ourselves, something dies within us. And that is true for our kids as well. But friends, 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 listen. It has to start with us. I think I started out my motherhood feeling like by reading parenting books and by doing the right thing and teaching them how to be, meaning my kids, that they would grow up to be good kids. But what I have found four kids in is that so much of what they actually end up emulating is not what I've told them to be or say or do. It is what they are seeing for me and for my husband, what we are modeling for them. And so if we are dying to ourselves, when we are suppressing our own feelings, when we're not able to express ourselves in a healthy way, when we're not modeling for them how to process big feelings and big emotions and and how we process through challenging times like we have over this past year and a half almost of the quarantine, right? When we're not exposing them to how to process through these challenges, we're depriving them. And when we're telling them to just stop having a tantrum, to stop being sad, to get up when they're hurt, to get over it, to not be so fill in the blank, it's, she says, these things might disappear for the moment. They might be buried for the moment. But what happens to something that's buried? It doesn't go away. It stays It stays there buried and there's more and more dirt and more and more stuff that gets layered on top of it. And the deeper it's embedded within us and the deeper it's embedded within our kids without unearthing it to release it or to put it in its proper place, it just festers and it can become infected, right? And that's when you see things come out. Like she says, in body image, in self-image, in grades, eating behavior, and other aspects of self-care. You know, so many times our kids' report card is not actually a reflection of their intellectual ability, but maybe it's reflecting something else as well. The last thing I want to touch on is something that Dr. Shafali and I brought up briefly was that as we grow with our children and as our kids get older, our role starts to shift. And she says in her book that she had some clients that are in their 60s who are still tied to the umbilical cord of their parents. Are you like that? Do you have a strong dependence? Has your relationship with your parents evolved over the years? Or do you still seek approval from them, seek answers from them, seek everything that you did as a child? Do you still go to them with all of those same things as an adult? 
It is so, so important, she points out, for that relationship to evolve. And to what degree and to what that needs to look like, I think can be pretty individual. She presents a pretty stark contrast of the role of when your children are in the home versus out of the home. But I think it can be whatever is a healthy version that you want to create it to be. But I also think that you've probably heard of lots of people, if not you, that have unhealthy relationships with their parents or attribute so much of their baggage and the responsibility of how their parents raised them to what they're facing now. And that inability to release the responsibility of their childhood upbringing to what they're able to create going forward with their own new self-awareness and strengths and healthy patterns and whatnot, we need to be able to release that at some point and not just go back to blame the blame game right? And so I think that goes twofold. I think it goes in the direction of our relationship with our parents and releasing them, like she said, from that responsibility. And it also has to do with how we approach parenting our own children and setting them up with the expectation that there will be that evolution. And we will trust that when they are adults, we will be there to support and love and to be a sounding board, but not to be the micromanager and the cruise director of their life, right? And that can start much younger. I think those are conversations that our parents, most of our parents, never had with us or modeled for us. And something that she said that really helped me to better understand this was she said, the dissolution of expectations allows us to enter into unconditional love. It's in this state of awareness that we become more loving and more connected, more warm, nurturing. And I can get on board with that. I believe in that. And she says there's a a difference between non-attachment and detachment. Non-attachment means you have no attachment whatsoever. You do not want to get close to anybody. That's like the cold version of a parent-child relationship. But detachment means that both individuals are able to live their lives independently from one another while being able to love and support and have connection but they're not attached as a way of survival that's kind of the visual that I have it's that cutting of the umbilical cord and I think that is such a powerful visual so I hope you got something out of this episode Dr. Shafali is such a legend and I felt so honored to be able to chat with her and I definitely recommend this book Again, you're not probably going to agree with everything in this book. And I think that is absolutely okay. But it is thought-provoking. It raises questions that I didn't previously think about. And it would be great for a book club. And I would love to hear from you as well. If you read the book or based on this episode and the takeaways, your input and your thoughts and feelings about some of the things that were shared in this episode. So the book is A Radical Awakening. You can get them anywhere books are sold. If you don't already follow me on Instagram, you can do that at jessicadalquist3 or on Facebook at Extraordinary Moms Podcast. Thank you so, so much for turning into the podcast today, and we will see you next week for another episode with another Extraordinary Mom. Bye.